There we go. Okay. Today's reading comes from Philippians 2, 12 through 18. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Amen. Thanks. You guys can grab your seats. So my heart goes out to uh, believers in the uh, Western world today, in the Northwest, in America, because being a believer in this day and age with a lot of the baggage that we have is like having a gym membership to uh, Planet Fitness. Anybody have a gym membership to Planet Fitness currently? I did up until COVID. Uh, if you've ever experienced Planet Fitness, it is famous for no judgment. You can go in and uh, you have to put up with some pretty loud colors. There's like blue, there's a like purple and yellow, so their, their gear is not that cool. Um, but they do have tanning beds. They do have massage chairs. They do have infrared skin treatment. They do have pizza Mondays. Um, it's a confusing place to belong as somebody who is after physical improvement after trying to build like a healthy lifestyle. It is a conundrum to walk past the table of Domino's Pizza to the treadmill. It's hard being Christians in today's day and age. Seriously. It's almost like mixed messages that we have been told over our lives. And if you've been around the Christian world long enough and you've been around different manifestations or different uh, churches that, that understand the scriptures in different ways, some people, it's more like you gotta do, 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 do to please God. And others, it's like, it doesn't matter. Just come, just chill, eat the pizza. It's cool. It's almost like a dentist giving out uh, like lollipops. You know what I mean? It's like perpetuating uh, uh, business, right? You're just like, it's fine. You're good. Just keep coming and saying sorry. Uh, what, what do we do in this day and age as believers in, in the world? Because it's not easy. And some of us, even when we read this text today, we're confused. Some of us, when we come across verses like we find in verse 12, therefore, beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but also much more in my absence, this word comes, work out your own salvation. Not only that, but with fear and trembling. You know, before uh, COVID, I liked the idea of belonging to a gym, but I didn't really want to spend much money on it. So I was one of the guys who got the $10 memberships at Planet Fitness, and I made sure and enjoyed all of the positive benefits. Honestly, I, 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 was, I had more massages there than I did actually work out. Like, and it was great. I felt good. I was like, see you, babe, going to the gym. And she was like, oh, nice. And I'm like, yep, going right to the massage chair. 
And so it was a little bit of like treating me to me, you know, that's a holistic health. You know what I mean? My, I, I need, my back needs some rubbing down as well as uh, some of this. And so uh, up until COVID, I was like, yeah, this is great. It's not expensive. The cost is low. Um, but then more and more, I, I, I had a, a deeper need for interaction, not only just trying to make myself feel good, like I belong to something, I'm doing something for my health, but I actually started feeling this inner tension, particularly during 2020, where uh, COVID was taking place, everything was out of control, and I began feeling tension and anxiety in my body. And, and it was advised to me that, you know, you got to go and, and move your, yourself. You need to expend some of this energy for you. There has, there's a holistic health you need to think about. And so I started thinking, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll go to Planet Fitness three times a week. But three times as many back rubs doesn't really do the thing the doctor was trying to get me to do. And I began hearing like, okay, there's this thing, it's, it's a group, you go through it through a class. Uh, you know, some people are like crazy about it. They talk about it more than they do about Jesus. Uh, CrossFit, you may have heard of it. I, I made fun of these people forever. And then I found out that one of the, the top coaches in the world was actually here in Vancouver. And um, one, of the, one of the guys is like, hey, you should come, you should meet him. And he's willing to do an induction class. He'll walk you through all this stuff. And I'm like, wait. So like one of the top coaches for physical health will, will work with me. He'll, he'll look at me, he'll decide what I need, and he'll give me his advice. And that was tempting in a different way than the uh, Pizza Mondays at Planet Fitness was. Slightly, because there was a weight and a value that the advice of this person had. For this person to say, hey, you should uh, dip a little deeper in your squats. Now, this is not going to be a... a, a, a a CrossFit sermon, I promise. It's just to get us rolling, okay? Those words, even though it hurt like murder, meant something to me. When I look and, and see on, on, uh, online when the CrossFit games are going on and his athlete is, is number one in the world at the time, it made me go like, okay, I'm not just like hearing the moments in, the, in, the, in this, okay, I'm just, I'm hard, I'm tired, I'm, I'm out of shape, but I could see a vision of somebody who had implanted the work and it had paid off. So today in our world, we're actually offered something that is significant. John last week spoke about the poem of Jesus that we find in chapter two, and it's one of the most beautiful sections of scripture. And I think we have it, and I'll read it to you um, this morning again. Starting in, in verse uh, five, I believe it is. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the very form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming, now here's the word, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so we see that Jesus followed the Father's directives. 
that Jesus had during his human existence on the earth had to submit. He had to listen to the wisdom and ways of the Father, and he obeyed them, even though he was so much high and elevated, equal with the Father. He chose to be obedient. And in this way, he, he creates this pattern that we're supposed to follow. And it's not one of just like, obey, 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 obey. It's obey, align yourself with something that is outside of your understanding. It is above your mentality. It's not just feeding into your fleshly desires for Pizza Monday. I am calling you to greatness. I'm calling you to what true humanity is. You were not called to pig out on pizza. You were called to thrive and become strong and become a player in God's great miraculous work of redemption in the world. And so Jesus follows this pattern. The only human who ever listened intently to the voice of the Father and said, whatever you say, I'm, do I'm doing it. I'm going to do it perfectly. I'm going to walk it out. Whatever you say, the answer is yes. Now he modeled the wrestling of humanity. It wasn't easy for Jesus. He had to fight through to obey, but we're told that he obeyed to the point of death on the cross. And through that and because of that, he actually enters into this beautiful, divine, human combination and imagery and being found in human form, he humbled himself to obedience, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowing on him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess, in heaven and on earth and underneath the earth, that Jesus is Christ, the Lord, to, glo to the glory of God the Father. We have this image before us of somebody who has walked out in human flesh the obedience of what it would look like to follow the divine order. And here we are, Paul challenging us into the same moment in our text, verse 12. Therefore, because of what we have seen in Jesus, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, Paul's acknowledging, hey, I'm not having to bust your chops about this. I'm not correcting you. I'm saying, hey, I see you following the pattern of Jesus. Keep it up. And, and lean into it even more because I'm not going to be here right there with you to continue to remind you moment by moment. No, you're going to have to engage yourself in the practice of following the pattern of Jesus whose ear was tuned to the Father saying, whatever it is you say, I will follow, I will do. Believing that for me to say no to pizza and yes to your ways is actually going to lead to the life that I was designed to have. We're called by Paul and Jesus, my beloved. Now as always, you have obeyed so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation. Now this word is challenging. Work out your own salvation. Hold on, I thought that, I thought that we were saved because of Jesus. So what is there left for me to do? And for us to understand this fully, it's, it's for us to, to open up the book of, of almost Paul's theology, which goes beyond this book into Ephesians. So if you have a Bible, flip to Ephesians chapter uh, 2, I believe it is, where, where Paul kind of describes uh, our 
history and, and the way things work within us. Because we are saved by Christ. I'm hoping the microphone's not going to screech. Um, I'm going to bring this over. We stuck this up with some, some tape, so I'm hoping it's going to stay. But we may have an exciting moment with this going boom, okay? And we're just going to go, wow, it fell like we thought it was. Um, all right, so we are saved when we put our trust in Jesus, right? Paul says as much in Ephesians chapter 2. He says this in verse, let's see, verse 1 of chapter 2. Calling back to the moment before they were followers, he said, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. So before Christ, we are awashed. We are flatlined spiritually in which you once walked. We followed the course of the world, following the princes of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom you once walked in the passions of your flesh, and you carried out the desires of your body and your mind, and you were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of humankind. So the starting point of humanity is not goodness. We're not good, and then because of what we suffer, we become broken. No, we are born into a humanity that is marked with brokenness. It is, it is a humanity problem, and either we are a part of God's human uh, family that he has adopted into his new community, new humanity through Jesus, or we're part of the old man that is still affected by the sin of Adam that marks us as separated from God, and we are spiritually dead. But Paul goes on to say, um, but God, being rich in mercy, this is verse 4, because of the great love with which he loved, oops, wow. Okay, because of the great love with which he loved, oh no, now I've got a squishy foot. Can you hear that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's <clears throat> start over here. All right, <clears throat> verse four. Oh, no, please try and ignore the squishy sound. <laughs> this is bad. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, he made us alive together with Christ Jesus. By grace we have been saved, and he has raised us up together. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, this is great. This is great. No, no, it's good. He has raised us up together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and he has raised us up with him, and he has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that he may show us kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace we have been saved through faith, and this is not your doing, it is a gift from God. Not a result of works, so that nobody can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What we're calling attention to here is, is this. There's a, a moment where um, you, you are dead in your trespasses and sin, and then God makes you alive with him, and your eyes are opened. 
We call that salvation. There are three components to salvation. There is you are saved. You were saved, past tense. This is a moment in time. You will be saved when Christ returns. So there's a future salvation that we long for, which Paul talks about in Romans. This is when our body, our life, all of creation is brought into oneness with God. Where where what God declares over us is our actual experienced reality. Because at salvation, there's a number of things that become true about us. Even in Paul, we're told that we are made alive. So that's one of the things that happens. We are made alive together with Christ. As I was studying this, there's a, a, a list of 31 different things that actually take place when you place your trust in Jesus. 31 different things. That when you say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came to the earth, you died in my place, and because of your death and resurrection, you have begun a new humanity, and you invite me to be one of yours. You are redeemed. You are you are forgiven, you are freed, you are adopted, you become a child, you are accepted, you're justified, you're glorified, you are united with Jesus, you have the spiritual blessings of heaven apportioned to you, we're told in Ephesians chapter 1. You are brought close to God, you are delivered from the powers of darkness, you are brought from the, the, the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. You are given a gift as a believer to, to offer up to others. You are circumcised in Christ. You become a priest, a part of God's kingdom. You are joined to the people of God. You're not isolated and alone. You belong to a community of people. You become a citizen of heaven. And this is very significant for us when we think about this letter to the Philippians. Citizenship is massive. Citizenship. Yep. As citizens, these things, they are the benefits of being and belonging to the kingdom of God. All of these things. So we are then told, as Paul just told us in Ephesians, that you're not only made alive together with Christ, but you're seated with Christ. So as a status or standing and rank, you actually rank at the table of God, the creator of all things, royalty, today. Between now and when we actually get to enjoy royalty, we get to enjoy the absence of of separation, all of the, the broken stuff. It's a process that we are, golly, come on, Chalk. It is a pro- process, oh, It is a process of implementing what we already are. It is a process of bringing the reality of who we are to the present circumstances and moment. Because God, you can tell me that that I'm forgiven, but I don't always feel forgiven. And to the degree that that I go, okay, God, what is the most true concrete reality? Because I just blew up and I yelled at so-and-so and I regret it and I hate it and it makes me feel terrible. But God, you tell me I'm forgiven. You tell me that I'm accepted. You tell me that nothing separates me from you. 
Nothing I, I can do or others do to me can separate me from your, your love. Now, how, God, can I, can I allow your reality that I'll be able to fully see and experience and everything in circumstances in eternity is going to affirm these truths? Everything around you. There won't be uh, the, the, that nag of guilt. There's not going to be Satan going, Really? Are you sure you're forgiven? Are you sure you're redeemed? Are you sure you're restored with God? You wouldn't act like that if you were. All of that voice will be silenced and all of the world around us will actually affirm, wow, you are royalty. You're a child, a daughter, a son of God. And I long for that day when what God says about you and I is actually evident by what is around us. But here, it's not yet. You see, the other component of salvation, although things are settled here, you become family with God. You are restored. Nothing can separate you from the love of God through Christ Jesus. This is set here. Okay? But between here and there, it is implementing. It is inviting the salvation of God to influence and change your life. It is saying, okay, I am saved. Therefore, how then should I live this moment? I am a child of God. That, therefore, how should I live as a child of God in my workplace? I am redeemed to God. I'm no longer a slave. I don't belong to guilt and shame. I don't, I'm not enslaved to my past anymore. So what does freedom look like when I fail? What does freedom look like when I'm able to, to worship and move into God's presence? It is implementing all of these things moment by moment. And this is how we live our eternal reality now. It's by holding fast to the word of life, the gospel. Because this is the gospel, friends. Although we were dead in our trespasses and sins, completely at odds with God, unwilling and unable to, to embrace his goodness. We were, we were by nature enemies of God. God is not just a distant, vengeful God. He is a king who is a saving king who comes in with the gifts of eternity and says, I want to claim you as my own, but I don't deserve it. Of course not. You're my own. I'm not worthy Oh, I see you as invaluable to myself. Oh, but I'm nobody. Nobody pays attention to me. I see you. I see you when you wake up. I see you when you go to bed. I know the words before they come to your tongue. I know what you worry about. I know what you dream about. I know you. I know you. I know you. And I'm here for you. But I, I, don't, I don't deserve this. Oh, but I, I have poured out my undeserved goodness upon you. I've poured my grace upon your life. It's crazy hard to live this out. But when we do, it's the experience of divine joy. We are 
embodying our true citizenship in heaven. There are benefits to belonging to the kingdom of God. And the Spirit of God is working within us to try and actualize these things. I wonder if you were to pause just a moment here and and look at the list if you can squint that well. Can you find one of the words or one of the statements that is meaningful to you? One that makes your heart move. Can you find one that you doubt? Oh yeah, that belongs to this person, but not me. You see, I think it's very important for us to think clearly about what we believe is most essential about who we are. Because God is determined to birth that in your life. Each one of these is aligned with something that God is trying to... This is salvation, friends. Yes, you're going to be saved. You're going to go to heaven. You're going to be with God. His kingdom is going to come here. You're going to rule with Him. It's going to be beautiful someday. But Jesus, through His Spirit, is trying to save you in the midst of your life from the brokenness that I struggle with moment by moment, day by day. He's trying to save us from feeling like we're irredeemable by saying you're redeemed. He's trying to save you from feeling like you're unforgiven by saying, if you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you struggle to, to feel like, like you're reconciled, like you're one with God, that you belong to Him, you're going to struggle and you're going to have this binding on your soul that says you don't belong. And Jesus, through His Spirit, is saying, I want to rescue you from your orphan spirit. You belong to me. So do you see that, that, yes, our eternity is one thing, but our life is a consistent process of being saved from our broken history. We are supposed to move from, from glory to glory, as Paul says to the church in Corinth. And he does this through guiding and ushering and wooing and leading us. The best way I can describe what God is actually doing in, uh, is, is a river analogy. And, and it just seems to continue to, to go that way with the, the movement of water. Because God is moving among us. If we were to dip back into Philippians uh, 13, 2.13 we find the answer to what God is really after. Okay, so we've got the theology stuff here, yeah? If you've got questions, we're going to have a time of Q&A after this. How does that work? Great. We're going to move on in the text now. Therefore, my beloved, as always, as you have always obeyed, now not only as in my presence, but also much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why fear and trembling? So to work out your own salvation, as Paul says, this is not you working for your salvation. You can't work for it. You can't earn your eternal 
security, or space. Only God can earn that for you. And if you trusted your life to Jesus, you are saved and cared in his hands. And you're invited to invite his saving work to work itself out in you. And so it is partnering with what God is doing. So he goes on to say this, um, work out your own salvation uh, with fear and trembling. Why fear and trembling? I don't like that word. I like to think that God is like, chill, you know? He's like, eh, it's fine. Because I screw up a lot. This word fear and trembling, it's actually a word that they would have used of, of any deity, where you, are, you, you go before your deity and you, you are aware and in awe and careful. So if you're, if you're worshiping Baal, you are careful because you are freaked out and this person is powerful. And in the same way, we like to think that God is so, uh, uh, he's so uh, understanding which he is, but he is also holy. The God who we worship is one who is, is unapproachable, like a light that is, that is overwhelming, that is glory. His holiness is, is what angels declare and sing over that. When people come into contact with God, they fall face down as in dead. Jesus, yes, he comes to the earth, but he is still clothed in glory. And so it is to be uh, held with weight when we sense God working in us. So this fear and trembling is all down to who it is that we're interacting with. When Paul says, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling, it's because it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work for his great pleasure. Okay, where I see this working out in my life is Paul saying, hey, do your best to work out your own salvation as you have always obeyed, keep on going. That means like I'm engaged with what has happened to me. I'm not just like, thanks Jesus, I'm gonna go live my life now. It's thanks Jesus, and all of a sudden I feel slightly different. There, there's something about when I've come to Christ, now I'm interested in different things. I have a, a, a raised awareness of, of curiosity towards things of the Spirit. There's, there's where I used to just obey my flesh and do whatever I wanted to do. There's like this tension. Should I really say that? Should I really watch that? Should I really engage this person in that way? Should I really spend my time in that way? There's like an, an awakening that takes place when we come alive to Christ. Amen? Okay. The best way I can describe this, how many of you guys have floated down a river and either you're kayaking or you're um, uh, whitewater rafting? That's, that's a really good one, right? Um, how many of you guys have been tossed out of the raft when you've been whitewater rafting and you're like, there's, there's the floater's position if you don't know. Um, I am a certified uh, river guide for the Deschutes River. Um, if you fall out of the boat, you're supposed to point your feet down river, toes up. Toes up so you don't get your foot caught in a rock and you drown. Uh, grab hold of your vest and you'll be fine. Just keep your little nose above the water and sometimes you'll go under, sometimes you won't. That's a bit what it's like to be in this world. Not only the uh, whole uh, Planet Fitness thing, but now we're in a river, okay? Set aside Planet Fitness. No more lunk alarms. 
you're going down a river and you are in the midst of this uh, current and you can feel it pulling you and every there may be people around you and they're going the same direction you got no choice you're just like okay <laughs> hope i don't hit that rock you're going down this river um, but but before you wake up you've been going down this river the illustration plays out in that everybody is rolling down this river unconscious but when jesus comes to you. He taps you on the shoulder and wakes you up. And all of a sudden you're like, where am I? Holy cow, I'm going down a river. Oh my gosh. And it's like you're surrounded by a stampede of other people all going the same direction. And everybody else, they're not being uh, thoughtful about the direction they're going. They're like, well, this is where we've always gone. This is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 2. For you were once dead in your trespasses and sin, following the course of man who, who is overseen by the prince of the air, which is Satan. And you carried out the passions of your flesh. You're just going wherever your human life and hungers and flesh take you. But all of a sudden you're awake. Whoa. And some of you who are newer believers, this is you right now. Your whole world has been going this way. You're just doing whatever feels right. Because honestly, before you're in Christ, you are spiritually dead. You don't see the things of God. And all you are driven by is the natural human hungers. And so it's understandable. But now you're alive. And those human hungers still exist. The current is still going. And your friends, they're still going that way. And nobody's asking questions. But when you come here, it's like, wait, these people are going a different direction. And slowly you're like looking around going like, why are we going that way? Why are we doing this and not that? And then you begin to feel this strange tension of, yeah, the current of your flesh is rushing this way. But then you start feeling this strange tug, this alternative current. And it's gentle. And it's subtle. It's easy to brush off. And you're like, what is that? This is a strange feeling. I feel myself, yes, continuing to be pulled this way, but for the first time I'm feeling pulled this way too. And you may be well aware of what it's like to be pulled and tugged. I mean, your flesh, it knows how to get you to do what it wants to do. Your stomach knows how to get you to eat. Your pride knows how to get you to fight. But for the first time you're feeling this tension, a divided being pulled in two directions. And what Scripture is telling us, Paul is saying, it is God who is at work within you, beginning to pull and tug and, and, and draw you away from the path of destruction and brokenness, the way of the world, the culture of here and now, and, and the culture of Jesus is starting to pull as an alternative uh, current and yes, you, you don't have to listen to it. It will be overpowered by your own gut if you feed it, okay? Your hungers are like a sumo wrestler if we're in middle school ministry again. Whoever you feed is going to push you around. If you feed the flesh, the flesh will drive you. You will be overcome. You may want to go that way and obey the Spirit and follow God, but, but you fed the flesh so much that you're reaping the crop of what you've planted in your soul. 
And so Jesus is saying, listen, hold on, hold on, guys. You need to know that when you're going the way you want to go, and everybody else is going that way, and you start to feel like this weird tension, should I be doing this? I don't feel at peace about this. This feels weird. This never used to feel weird. Why does this feel weird to me? The uneasiness, man, it's painful, isn't it? I wish that it wasn't there. I wish that everything I felt was right. Oh, that's a nice way to live. But listen, what Jesus is doing is he's awakening us to the true reality, the unseen reality of his kingdom being brought into your life. And so when God is actually convicting you about something or he's saying like, hold on, I don't know if that's the best way for you. You don't know, but there is a waterfall down that way. And I want to take you over here where actually I'll I'll give you the best that your life was intended for. And so these, these, uh, this undercurrent that often comes through God leading you, prompting you, inviting you, calling out things that need to change in you, it feels uncomfortable and it's super easy to be just like, eh, that's, that's fine. That's not a very strong urge. I kind of feel it, but I feel it stronger to go that way with everybody else. It is God at work within you to create even the will to do his ways. God is saying, oh, yes, I want to create in you a hunger for goodness. I'm going I'm to open your eyes, not merely to your circumstances, but I'm going to start helping you to notice others around you who are also floating away towards the waterfall. And your heart is going to begin to go like, what about them? How how do I change? What's really important? Which way do I want to go? And God is saying, listen, it it is me who is at work within you to cultivate a desire, but also to work. Because my friends, you know, you can, you can be awake in a river and see and be like, whoa, this river's powerful. And you can feel undercurrents and be like, oh, interesting, I don't know, I'll just keep going along. But you'll never be able to swim your way out of that. If you've been in a powerful river, you le- legitimately, for you to get to that side of the river, you, you have to start swimming upstream and slowly, inch by inch, Sorry about the view. Uh, you're, you're moving that direction. You can't just go straight there. And so the fight that God invites us into is one that takes supernatural strength to go against your own deepest longings as you're overcoming sin in the, in the flesh. You need the Spirit of God to fuel that. And here's the beautiful thing. It is God at work within us both making us interested in doing what is right and providing the power to do so. And so, friends, uh, that's two verses of our eight verses we were going to get through today. Um, But I think it's really important for us to recognize that God is working within us. So don't take lightly when the Lord is prompting you. I think the greatest thing that Satan has done is from the beginning of creation with Adam and Eve, convincing them that God was here to take from them. He's holding out on you. And I know that as I was growing in Christ 
and maturing, I had a huge wrestling. And it's been years of wrestling. When I felt the Lord calling me to do something, I always came to that emotion like, what's your agenda? What do you want from me? Because when the Lord is pulling us away from what our flesh wants, it can feel like he's taking, us, taking from us. But notice what this scripture says. It is God who is working in you, prompting you, making you interested, but also working through you for his good pleasure. So what does that mean? So the stuff God puts in me, the will to do good and the power to do it, it's all for his good pleasure. So is God selfish? Is that what we're here for? We're just here to fight our lives out, you know, tears, you know, work our hands down to the bone, tooth and nail fight to make God happy? Hmm. To me, I think that that's a, a little bit of a misnomer. It's a misinterpretation of, of what God is after. In a way, yeah, we're here to bring pleasure to Jesus. But what is it that brings pleasure to Jesus? You'll notice that Jesus in, uh, I believe it's Luke, describes what his good pleasure is. Luke 12, 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is your thriving. The kingdom is Jesus' statements and identity becoming your own. It is Jesus' good pleasure to give you belonging. It is his good pleasure to give you acceptance. It is his good pleasure to give you forgiveness. It is his good pleasure to give you an inheritance. It is his good pleasure to claim you as his own. It is his good pleasure to call you son, to call you daughter, to call you co-worker, to call you partner and participant in the good work that he has created. God is working in you to create a desire for and the power to receive the kingdom of God that he is trying to bring through you and in you. And so to partner with the work of God within us is actually to invite the good blessing of God in our lives as we bring it to other people. You see, God is not selfish. He is so generous, even in his greatest longing to be pleased, his great pleasure is to see all that he has accomplished and purchased for you, to be taken, internalized, and implanted in your life, and for you to share that with those around you. Amen? Okay. How are we doing, guys? Everybody's a little shell-shocked, it feels like. That's okay, me too. It's kind of a, a big word. Um, let's take a second. I want to give you a second to think, okay, what, uh, what does that make me think? What challenges do I have with that? What holds me back from 
receiving the Lord's prompting as him trying to bring his kingdom into my life, to bring a bit more of salvation into my life. All right? Okay, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite the Spirit. If you want to um, share a thought with us or a question, um, we'll take the next couple minutes to do that, and then we're going to worship because he's worthy. Uh, Sound good? Okay, do we need jumping jacks right now? You're all like real chill. (laughs) I'm going to chalk it up to the heat. Let me pray. Lord, thank you that you are good to us. Thank you, Lord, that, oh man, some of these things, they have so many turns, but we are convinced that you are good. And so I just pray, Jesus, that you would help us if we're stuck on anything, if there's an added word, Lord, or clarification, that that would just come out in the space um, so that we're able to be present with you as we worship. In, in Jesus' name, amen. John, you want to come up and help? What do you think? Any of those questions resound, or you have a different one? Um, I think for probably a lot of people, um, Paul talks about how I do the things I don't want to do, but I yearn to do the things that I don't do, mm-hmm. where it's we have this really hard time of actually denying the flesh and to live a life that is actually moving and within the spirit. So I think for a lot of people, it's, it's that part of how do, I, how do I not live in that paradigm of doing the things that I don't want to do while desiring to do the things that I'm not doing. Yeah. Um, anybody else? Anybody want to chip in on that? How do we train ourselves? to not obey the flesh. Is that a decent way of saying it? Probably more concise than what I did. We need each other. Practically, do you guys have personal tips? I think it's overwhelming and for me I try I'm an overachiever hi my name's Kathy I'm overachiever I try and do everything all at once so then I get defeated and so it's chunking off a little part of the flesh and saying for me this is what I'll work on right now Mm. and then and then adding on or just doing something different because I'm never going to do it all and giving myself the grace and understanding that Jesus doesn't, doesn't require my perfection he requires my obedience and my relationship with him. And that's what it's about. Totally. Greg. Nope. Um, I think, too, that we need each other. And for me personally, when I isolate myself and try and succeed on my own, it's so much more difficult than when you're surrounding yourself with one, two, three people that are swimming the same direction that you're swimming, reminding you to take breaths when you need to take breaths, holding up your arms when they're weary of paddling. 
Um, I think the enemy really thrives when he can isolate us, when we're going down the current. Um, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> but when we have people within this community, like we do have, I'm so thankful for this church. Um, it really, it's, it's easier to move in a direction when you can see the goal of where you're wanting to go and when you have other people cheering you on to get there. And that's what I feel is so really unique about this group of people is that we really do cheer each other on to get to a space um, where we're moving in a direction of looking more like Jesus and being the church in a way that is countercultural. And so it's so important not to allow yourself to be isolated, but to be vulnerable and say like, hey, I need you to walk through this season with me because this is what I'm fighting and I can't do it alone because we can't do it alone. Totally. Greg, do you have something to add? <laughs> yeah, a couple words, a couple words came to my mind. A couple words came to my mind when you were speaking. I love the analogy of the river, by the way, just the fear and trembling, you know, the, um, <clears throat> sometimes it's hard to envision what that looks like with God, but when you put yourself in a river where there's fear and you kind of, it's, it's really good. But the word that came to mind was um, desire. And I've been kind of walking through this habit that I've had for many years. And though my mind would say, you know, I, I really wish I wouldn't do that, I really didn't have the desire to not do it. Um, and it wasn't crazy imp impacting my life from what I saw. And so I didn't have the desire. What, what, I, I, I sought it out. Um, and then four months ago, I just said, God, take away this desire. Just take away from this from my heart. My mind doesn't my mind doesn't want to do it, but, but everything within me wants to do it. And so we try to white-knuckle it. So that's one thing that, that came to mind with, you know, when we talk about change, do we, where's that desire? That yeah. desire's coming from some, fulfilling something within us. And I, for me, you know, God really just kind of transformed my heart there. Um, I had another thought, oh, and then just kind of getting away from maybe the spiritual aspect, but the physical aspect, and I, I'm reading this book called Dopamine Nation, it's a, it's, it's a crazy book, but our culture is driven to give us a hit, and our bodies are designed by God to release this experience. And so, you know, for me, it really helped to go, wow, it's not just me. It's actually the way I was designed. Yeah. It's like, and where is that coming from? God helped me change that. Mm. That's great. I love the fact that one of the purposes Jesus had when he came to the earth was actually to give us a taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's like, Try, try this. And I, when I'm envisioning that river analogy and like the undercurrent, it's like 
it's, it's like we get a taste. We can sense that there's life. There's something different. And John, like you described that tension of my body wants to do one thing and my heart wants to do the other. It's like it doesn't override our free will. God doesn't want to force you to follow him. He invites you because it is for your good joy and delight. And so he's like, it's almost like you have to tune your ear closer to heaven of like, oh, that scent that feels like God. And just like discerning those moments of like, okay, that's what goodness feels like. That feels good now, but it's going to feel like gravel in my mouth afterwards. So, Sarah. Um, I was just going to say, I'm learning that practicing fasting can quiet the flesh. Um, You're just basically saying no to the flesh. Um, And you're saying, I want what I'm praying for way more than I want to eat food. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that desire piece is huge. Huge. Like, what do we long for? In the back. What you got, Bobby? I think what helps me is um, to invite God and the Holy Spirit into whatever I'm struggling with and to rely on the Holy Spirit to aid me to... you know, surrender that to him. And I think it's inviting God in to that situation, even if it's really messy, uh, because life is messy. And to just ask God to strengthen me with might in the inner man, <clears throat> because we do war against the flesh continually. It's, it's that Holy Spirit that aids you, that gives you the strength to put it aside. Um, but for me, it's just a continual throughout the day. God, help me to become more like you. Give me the wisdom and the knowledge to, to get through this, mm. get past this. So I rely on the Holy Spirit, and I, I think that's it. Just saying, God, here, I'm a mess. Help me out. <laughs> mm, totally. so. so good. Michelle. I I am reminded of uh, Joseph when Potiphar was out and uh, Potiphar's wife came after him and his response was run. So that's that's my reaction and I see blatant sin, blatant temptation is just to remember Joseph and his example, just to flee Mm -hmm. if that's an option. And I don't remember exactly what verse it is, but there is a verse that says that um, when temptation comes, when there's trial, God will always provide a way out, a deliverance. Yeah. So good. Yeah, Shauna. I don't like to talk like this, so I'm just gonna, no. Anyways, can you, come um, here? Can you stand up? No, please, please so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to add that I, I really feel like it's very important for community and like you said, I mean, it's it's incredible how much I can have that voice saying, oh, no, this is okay, and and just to voice it out to myself and with God, and then to go a step further to um, people of God to say, 
they don't even have to say anything. It's just really in that time of, okay, almost the validation of saying it out loud. So I think community is so important in voicing those inner pieces to God and then to, to community. So. Beautiful. Yes. Thank you guys for the contributions. And please, just I love the way you guys are sharing. So thank you so much. Uh, I just want to wrap up now. Um, we're going to take some time to worship, but the most important thing is that we're able to enter into this moment with um, hearts that are present to God, recognizing that God's word has spoken today. And so I just want to invite you to take a, a minute and ask the Spirit, what is it that you wanted me to hear today? What is the word that I'm supposed to hear? And what does that look like if I allow that word to impact my heart what would that look like to care about that let's take a sec ask you to just meditate on this question. Has there been something that the Lord has just been tugging at? And you haven't known what to do with it. But you feel this alternative pulling. Maybe it's something that's just this week it's been there. Or maybe like many of us, there's been something over the years that just keeps showing up. Sometimes this happens in small areas, but sometimes it's pulling at areas that we have idols in our heart. We couldn't imagine living without these things. Our pull towards them is so strong. But we sense we sense this pause from the Spirit. What would it be like if that pause wasn't condemnation, but it was an invitation? What if it wasn't you having to lose, but it was you being invited into the joy of the Father. Into abundant life. 
Lord, we're told that you are spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So God, where, where you're moving in our hearts, where you're touching in our hearts, would we recognize that space, that particular space, word, that that is healing, that that is freedom. that you're seeking to save us from ourselves, from brokenness. So more than anything, God, I pray that we would begin to discern your spirit working in us and through us as good. as life. We thank you, Lord, for giving your life for us. Although you were rich, you became poor, that we may become rich in you through your sacrifice. And so we remember your body broken, your blood shed, we recognize this table as the table of oneness, the table of life. And we come to you as a community that loves you. Will you bless us, God, as we bless you with our worship? In Jesus' name, amen.